Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, you can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. On this, I don't even know what to call Monday edition of foot. I, I really, I'm kind of in that, you know, where a lot of people are very excited about, quote-unquote, the start of football season. It's a like we're a month away for the NFL season. A month. That's a lot of days. It's about 30. We're a little bit less than that from the start of the college season. So I understand there's a lot more details to be discussed. Because, you know, they are practicing. College started practice last week. NFL's been practicing for several weeks. And so I understand there's kind of more, but still it's just. And then the Astros are in this. I mean, they just, there's so many outs in their lineup. I mean, just almost everyone they send to the plate is an out. And, you know, now. That doesn't mean that when they get to the playoffs, they're all going to perform like they have most of the season. I mean, teams get hot and cold different times. I understand that. But, again, it's just it's just, it's going to be this huge waiting game. Everyone's pretty much determined. It seems like that Michael Brantley's done. Isn't that amazing? It's like, boom, all of a sudden, you know, they put him on. You kind of had the impression initially that, you know, he might be back around the All-Star break or shortly after the All-Star break. Because I remember making comments, yeah, I mean, if if um, if they need to hold him out all the way to the All-Star break, do it. And now, now you know, there's a very distinct feeling that he's never going to play again for the Astros. And when when you when you think about it that way, man, this whole season could be about Alidmus Diaz, and that guy always gets hit with pitches. I mean, he's constantly getting hit with pitches up and in, out, out, out. You know, after those two first two wins again after Friday night's game. I heard one of the announcers say, uh, you know, you're feeling good. You know, had a lot of good. I got a, you know, played well in Cleveland for years now. Beat him handily twice in a row. And then I heard, and then I heard it. I think he said the Astros have had at least 11 hits in the last, whatever, four games or last five games. And I'm going, oh, no. My good feeling went to bad in a hurry. I was like, oh, no. And I was hoping after paying the Piper Saturday that the Piper was satisfied. But 
I mean, I don't know why the Piper's not satisfied. I mean, it, it, this team hadn't hit all season. One little hot stretch shouldn't have affected anything. Man, there's a lot of outs in this lineup. And and the problem with Va- the problem with Vasquez is will he be able to get going? Because one, he was heartbroken to leave Boston, and two, he's not going to play a lot of days, and it's probably a hair under a platoon situation. And so, he, uh, most day, games he's not going to play. He's probably going to play what two out of five games, maybe not even that much sometimes. Ugh. And so, if he doesn't get going, I, you know, he won't be able to help you. And then this cat. Mauricio Dubon. I love his look. He's fast. He's got a great name. Can't hit a lick. Can't hit a lick. What good does it be to hardly ever strike out and you're fast and you can't hit? Sickening. Um, Again, still plenty of football to talk about as we look forward to the season, but it was really, in a lot of ways, a big baseball weekend. You've got, you know, we we talked about it last week. At the end of last week when the Mets won the first game. And I said if the Mets win two, if they win one of the next three, they probably did. If they win two of the next three, they will have staved. I love that word, staved. They will have staved off the Braves' little run. And... I mean, I think most of America, baseball fan-wise, when the Braves made that huge run and got within a game or two, just assumed that the Braves were going to just overtake the Mets. Well, not only did they win one, not only did they win two, they won the last three games. You know who's really impressed me? They hadn't got a lot of publicity because... Of the teams ahead of them, one of them the defending world champion and one of them the Mets. But the Phillies have been very impressive. Like, they just keep winning. And they score runs. And they're playing without supposedly their best offensive player who's been out forever. The Phillies just keep winning. All of a sudden, no one's talked about them in forever. But all of a sudden, they're only three games behind the Braves. The Braves better hope the the Brewers keep collapsing. The Braves suddenly are closer to the Phillies than they are to Mets. And, uh, you know, they're learning what a medicine season is. A lot of them probably don't understand medicine seasons, but the Braves fans are they they thought the ones that did thought they were gonna shun the medicine season. I, I it's very difficult to do. Very, very difficult. Not impossible, but very difficult to uh to shed the medicine season. And a um a lot of games left though. A lot of games left. You know the Braves are um still got plenty enough games to catch up. It just you get the feeling after this weekend that it's not going to happen, but there's plenty of games. For instance, 
Yankees are really struggling. Got swept over the weekend in St. Louis. I love the national media's um, the 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 elitist, and it, it, it's not just the national media. People buy that garbage. The elitist thing, you know, you hear all the time. All the all them central division teams, they're all a bunch of donkeys, and and they're complete non-factors in in baseball. And then the Yankees go to St. Louis and get swept. Well, I just I just, I just can't buy all that elitist talk. It just it just when, even when they say it, I mean, how can they say it? And, and and then you and you listen to it, and you say you really believe that garbage. Uh, it's just crazy. But anyway, that whole elitist junk. But um, I, I just I just don't know if the Yankees have enough pitching. But the point I was getting to is I don't know how where the Blue Jays the Blue Jays have been one of the strangest teams in baseball this year. And they made all the moves and they look tremendous. And look, if the playoffs started today, they'd be in. It's not like they're having a bad year. They fired their manager because I think their hopes were really high. Perhaps there was some stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, or perhaps it's just their their you know their hopes were really high and they weren't fulfilling them. Guerrero, a lot of the in June, Guerrero was not very good at all. He's been very hot. I think he's like on an eighteen game hitting streak now. But if the Blue Jays can finish hot, they could still catch the Yankees. I mean, everyone's acting like that can't happen. Nine and a half games, I keep telling y'all, nine and a half games in early August has been overcome many times. Every year somebody overcomes a team that's nine back. Now, it might not be for first place, but, you know, it might be from fifth place to third place or something. But, I mean, um, you can overcome nine games from early August on with 50-something left. That happens all the time. Every year it happens. So would you bet on it? I mean, I put a lot of money on that, but is it realistic? Of course it's realistic. Now the Blue Jays have to get hot, uh, and they've been pretty hot. I, I don't know if they have what it takes, but the other thing that they have is seven games left I, I, I've told y'all many times, every once in a while, I give in to my weakness. One of my weaknesses is schedule watching. I'm a bad schedule watcher. And more in football than baseball, I, I don't really do a lot of schedule watching in baseball. But I, I, I did just because I wanted to see, after the Yankees got swept this weekend, I wanted to see... How many games left they have with the Blue Jays? They actually have seven. Seven games left with the Blue Jays. Here's the Blue Jays deal. They got they would need to go at least five and two against the Yankees. I don't know if they can do that, but that's prob they'll need to probably go about five and two. Not only that, the Blue Jays have 15 games left with the Orioles. How could we be in August? And you still have 15 games left with a team in your own division. Like the Astros and the Mariners are done for the season. They, these two teams are in the same division. They still got 15 games left with each other. 15. That was shocking. But, 
But there's a stretch in a couple weeks where the Blue Jays play the Angels for three, the Pirates for three, and the Cubs for three. Not necessarily in that order, but those three teams. Three of the worst teams in baseball in a row in a nine-game stretch. I don't know if it was like late August or early September, but I, I didn't write down the dates. But but those three teams in a row. And, man, if they can go 8-1 and one or 9-0 and oh again, no, nah, there's no guarantees. This is baseball. This is not football. But um, if, if they can go 8-1 and 9-0 and and oh, in that stretch and go 5-2 and two again, it's not impossible. I'm just saying it's not impossible. Another interesting tidbit that came out of my potentially foolish schedule watching, and this was totally by accident. I wasn't even looking for it. I just happened to be scrolling down and saw it. I was mentioning the Phillies a few minutes ago. The Astros' last three games this year are against the Phillies. So who knows what the situation is going to be. It's only a guessing game when – what is today, August the 7th? When it's August the 7th and you're talking about what are, what are the standings going to look like at the end of September, you have no idea. You're just guessing. But let's just say the Astros have already clinched the American League West, which I would think is the case. Pro- could be They could be going for the number one seed. Could be going into that last weekend. We don't know. It's possible. But let's say that's not the case. It's always an interesting scenario for me. Like, what do you do if you're the Astros? You're you're trying to win the World Series at that point. You're probably, it's not a lock, but probably either the one or the two seed in the American League by that time. Probably. And you got a Phillies team that could be playing for its playoff lives or could be playing to whatever, you know. Could be very important games. Could be very important games. Um. What do you do if you're the Astros? I just thought that I, I didn't I didn't have in my mind that they were finishing out with the Phillies, so we'll see how that plays out. But it is um, it was a pretty significant weekend. The Padres, which grabbed all of the headlines at the trade deadline with some incredible trades, and yet I'm sure there are plenty of people in uh, many punk fans of the punks who were like, well, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The Padres just can't beat them. Padres cannot beat the punks. They they just can't beat them. Um, you know, it's kind of like the Twins can't beat the Yankees. They just never do. They just cave. When they see the Yankees, they just melt. Um, And then the Padres just can't beat the punks. They just can't beat them. They just get dominated by him. Now, I don't know what it's going to take to overcome that. I mean, one day that's going to change. That's not going to last forever, but it's been that way for a long time. I I don't know what it's going to take to change. I don't. And the other thing is, again, about the Central, the the Guardians are not a joke. I mean, they can – have you seen this cat, Tristan McKenzie? He looks like – like, I don't know that they can come up with a uniform – that could really fit this kid. He looks like he's about 17 years old. He's a complete, you know, skinny as a beanpole. The uniform doesn't look good on him because it's like it, no uniform, no major league uniform could fit this guy. And he's good. He's very talented. 
Very talented. They could put a little meat on his bones over the next couple of years. He, he, he's got, they always seem to have good young pitching, the Guardians. And they got a big-time closer who the Astros hit two doubles against and scored a run on Saturday. And then yesterday when they needed that run, they, of course, they didn't come close to getting it. Astros ain't got a big – hey, look, that run they scored, I don't even count. In my mind, the Astros have been shut out in back-to-back games. They have that many outs in their lineup. I mean, it's just almost every batter is an out. Almost everyone is an out. I don't know. I don't know. I think the American League, the national narrative has been it's been a it's been a lock off. I think the American League, if anybody could do anything, is wide open. Because I don't think the Yankees can pitch enough, and I don't know if the Astros can hit enough. Like I I think the American League should be wide open for some dark horse to rise up. Because I I, I don't I, I I mean look, you know my rooting interest is that the Astros win it all. But the Astros can't hit. I mean, they, they, they got five or six outs in their lineup almost every day at all. They can't hit at all. And the um, and the Yankees, I don't know if they can pitch. The problem is, other than maybe the Blue Jays, maybe. I just don't see I think the Mariners could do it. But, again, and, you know, some of these teams, I, I mean, I don't even know who's going to be in the playoffs. In the, in from the central, look, folks. The White Sox are only two games back. People keep and Dylan Cease is the hottest pitcher in baseball right now. Dylan Cease, he was a minor league pitcher for me last year on my minor league team. Ended up being pretty good. Now he's like elite, unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back. Look, if you want to comment on baseball, certainly feel free to do so. The uh, hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. But uh, we'll some shift gears to football when we come back after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 8th, 1984. American Carl Lewis wins his third gold medal of the Los Angeles Olympics, joining Kirk Baptiste and Thomas Jefferson in an American sweep of the 200-meter relay. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk about Major League Baseball, anything to do in the football world, certainly feel free to discuss that as well. Want to remind you about the Game Rewards Club. If you haven't joined yet, what are you waiting for? You could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse, a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, as well as several other great prizes. But you can't win if you don't join 
the game clubhouse so do so by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today it's free it's easy so sign up today all right we are uh beginning our second week of august today and we uh so we kind of hinted to start the process last week I stupidly didn't write it down, but I think I remembered. One of the things that we try to do is establish going into August, I think it's for perspective, is what is the lowest acceptable record for each of the teams we talked about? We need a we need to get some McNeese input on this. My guess for McNeese was seven and five, but maybe Jim can help us out on that or some fan. Uh, there's anybody who knows a lot about McNeese football and what they're and what they're expecting to do and what their schedule, how their roster matches up with their schedule and what the expectations are. You know, I know Nichols has had a nice little run lately. Southeastern's had a nice little run lately in the Southland Conference. So uh, I'm probably a little more unsure about McNeese and the other three that we talk about most of the time. But right for now, I'm going to say seven and five. And um, But, I mean, again, that this is a starting point. Well, see, the thing is they only have 11 games. So oh, when we okay. Spoke see, I don't even know about their week, schedule. Okay? Yeah, so last week when me and Jim spoke, we had kind of made a base. If everything was to go right, everyone to stay healthy for the entire season, for all schools, we would think that LSU would probably be – Eight and four. I said if they keep the stability for UL, I would say nine and three. And then we said seven and four for McNeese. Seven and four. Mm-hmm. Now that was your prediction, not mm-hmm. necessarily your lowest acceptable record. Yeah, when our people that's, started getting that's, disgruntled. Yeah, that's like our hope. That's what we would think would be for us would be counted as a successful season. Because eight now now, once again, when we talked to Koki last week. He said seven and five for LSU. Um, I I think the a I don't know about it's hard to ever say the majority, but I kind of feel like the majority of the fan base would not be happy with seven and five. I uh, I think it's just I know there's a it's a it's a team and a program just filled with question marks right now. They're in as transition of a season as you can get in, but I still think the expectations for this program. Or, or I just think seven and five won't won't. I, I think though I'm gonna so I'm gonna say eight and four for the four, which is which is what you and yeah. Jim predicted. Um, yeah, I didn't know about McNeese only having eleven. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't, so I didn't. I didn't know I, that either. I relooked at their their record last season was four and seven. I think no matter what, if you have a record that's higher than what your yours was this past season, I think it's a success for at least LSU and McNeese. For UL, you're wanting stability. You want it to be something close. I don't know if they can get to 11 and one like they did last season, but I think at least nine and three. I think would be a to me a successful season for the Cajuns. I think uh, I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start McNeese off at six and five. Now, I don't know that I can say all the way to seven and four for the low. I think if they go six and five. I think that would still be somewhat acceptable. So I'll start with six and five in McNeese, LSU, eight and four, 
The Cajuns, I I I can go with nine and three. I I think if they lose more than three games, it's it's going to be a little um, iffy. Now the Saints, uh, I said we'd start at ten and seven. Of course, if the Saints go ten and seven, depending on how many injuries they have and how the season goes, how much they get cheated, you know, we'll see how, you know, if they blow any games with game management or any of that kind of stuff. But you know. Right now, I'd be disappointed at ten and seven, but I think most people are a lot less half glass, half full than I am, and so I think most Saints fans would would be okay. Not maybe not thrilled, would be okay with being ten and seven. Yeah, I, I would think so too. Especially they haven't since since what preseason, since even the draft, they haven't scheduled the Saints to win more than eight games. I think an okay season would be ten and seven. I think if we want it to be really a good season, a successful season, I think in the mind of most Saints fans after the past couple of years, I would say probably 12 and 5. I think that would make it a good season. But I think okay would definitely be, like you said, 10 and 7. All right. So 10 and 7 Saints, 9 and 3 Cajuns, 8 and 4 LSU, 6 and 5 McNeese. Again, that's not the prediction. That's what I'm saying is the lowest acceptable record where you're you're like at least the majority of the fan base would be eh, okay. Uh, uh, you know I'm not going to be jumping yeah. up and down. So that's what we're going to start off with. If you if you disagree with that, um, which I guess is kind of a convoluted way of of saying that's the over under kind. I guess that's it. Yeah, not exactly the over under, but kind of like the right. over under. To me, I think about it. McNeese, LSU, and Cajuns are all have new head coaches, and they all have new quarterbacks. It's, it's so it's it's going to be a definitely a, a growing a learning curve season for all three schools for definite. Even the Saints, Saints again. Wait a minute, all four have new head coaches. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, the Saints. Yeah, in college, all three have new coaches and new quarterbacks. Yeah. And even for the Saints, they have a new coach, technically a new quarterback because. Jameis didn't play too too much really last season. Yeah, still, still he's still technically put it a this new way, quarterback. Still in the minds of many people, a question mark at quarterback. Yes. yes, I guess you would call it. But if you call it a redshirt quarterback, technically, if you're like, kind of, like you kind of could look at it that way. Yes. So it no, that is amazing that all four have new coaches. Yeah. Uh, so no, any thoughts that anybody has that you agree with that or think it should be higher or lower, and what your expectations are and why? Certainly. The other thing, um, we are now less than a week. Again, those of you who've listened to me for a long time, you know my frustration with football. Love football, loved it all my life. Wasn't always my favorite sport, still isn't it. But obviously, a huge Saints fan, covered high school football for decades and followed college football for decades and and a diehard Saints fan. But my biggest problem with the sport of football is I don't I just don't have the patience for it. They never play a game. Uh and obviously they play once ever ever so on. But I mean, gotta wait. I, I it, it's messing with my mind because I'm so um excited to see what's gonna happen with the Saints this year. But you gotta wait another month or so until they play. And then once they play, let's say they win. 
But then you're all excited. Then you got to wait seven more days so they play again. Yeah. And if they have a bye week, which this one's way too late. If you happen to have a bye week, you get all excited, you get off there, and you got a bye week. Then you got to wait 14 more days so they play. They never play a game. Speaking of bye days, what do you think then, if you say what the one they have is late, what's like the perfect week for a bye week for a team? Uh, I think somewhere in the middle. Yeah, somewhere in the middle, around week eight or nine, I think is a good bye week time. The Astros have it like week 42, I think, is their bye week. It's just, it's in December. I mean, it's just like, what? Yeah. I guess that's a good thing about baseball, I guess, compared to football, is that they you don't play. have to wait yeah. <laughs> as long between games. You get an agonizing loss. Or, I mean, I mean, you might have a day off, like the Astros are off today, but days off are not, you know, they're, they're fairly routine, but it, they're not like every day. I mean, you know, the most you have to wait is two days unless you get a rain out after a day off. It's just – I just – I, it's just too slow football for me. And um, it's funny because most people who don't like baseball say it's too slow, and I'm like, uh, they play almost every day, and I know they're talking about the tempo of the game. I know that. But it, they at least playing. <laughs> football, they yeah. never play a game. We just talk That's about true. it forever. Um, which I guess for Sports Talk Radio, that works out okay. The game hotline is 706-0111, Speaking of talk about, I read a series of quotes yesterday. People who are at Saints camp watching it, and they're basically saying, man, there's some good players on this team. Really? Oh, man. There's some good players. I just, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm just telling y'all. I am I mean, I'm just right on the edge. It's like, you know, Ian Rappaport comes to Saints camp, and he says, man, this guy Michael Thomas is good. Well, that's a novel thought. I mean, he, <laughs> he's good. I think the Saints are a playoff team. Again, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. Look, I heard Ray Raymond last hour talking about Peyton Turner. I I I think there's every reason to believe that Peyton Turner is going to be way better than he was last year when he he hardly played. There's every reason to believe that Gus is going to be Gus missed the first six games last year and did not play well when he came back. There's every reason to believe that going into a contract year, Gus is going to have the best year of his career. His season was totally derailed by that six-game suspension last year to start the season, and he never really got in a flow after that. I just think this is is going to be the best defensive line they've ever had. It's It's really good. I mean, and they've had some really good ones. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they've had better individuals. Like, you know, two decades ago, uh, Leroy Glover was just outstanding. Norman Hand was above average. And they and, and they could they really got after the quarterback. Uh and now they didn't I don't they didn't have a Demario Davis, and they certainly didn't have the secondary. one one of the comments that I was reading was speculating that this secondary that the Saints have could be the 
secondary's version of the Dome Patrol in Saints history. Well, again, I've been thinking that since last March when everyone's been telling me this is a depleted roster. Again, people are just seeing this. I, I just, I mean, I this the, the, the Saints have never had a secondary like this. And I'm, and I'm talking about teams that won the Super Bowl. They didn't have this secondary. That that 2011 team that we talked that most of us believe is the best team the Saints ever had. They didn't have a secondary anywhere near this. Not even close. Even um, now, again, the one thing that can derail it, the one thing that can absolutely derail this deal is if their safeties are not on the same page, which to me, and I've said over and over, is the number one thing for me. It's not Jameis. It's not even in the top five. The number one thing for me is that the safeties are on the same page with the rest of the defense. Safeties are very much a quarterback of the defense. They they are the last line of defense on most plays. And you have two new ones, and one of them might be suspended, and the other one showed up a week late. And, I mean, it's just the number one thing because the, I don't think anybody, including myself, doubt the talent. It's not about talent. It's not about ceiling. It's not about potential. It's about are they going to be on the same page in week one? That's what it's got to be. It's got to happen. They cannot get that. They cannot give away a game at the beginning of the year because the safeties are not. That's just that's the thing that. And again, when when the Saints start preseason games on Saturday, we're not going to know that. Like. Nothing about a preseason game, good or bad, is going to tell us whether the Saints' safeties are going to be ready to not to not to be on the same page, and the communication level is going to be there come a month from now when the regular season starts. That nothing, you know, if it breaks down, that actually in a preseason game that actually might be good because then that increases the. Uh, you can set off the alarm, and, and, and they might say, well, we really got to fix this. We really got to take care of this. And if they do great, it kind of increases our confidence, but that can be fool's goal because it's just a preseason game. I just don't have the temperament for this. It's going to be it's gonna be a long neck. The next 30 days for me as a fan, I really need the Astros to get some base hits just to calm my nerves down because it, it, it's going to be a rough next month. I can tell you that right now. All right, let's uh, take a timeout. We'll come back and continue to discuss a few more football points on this Monday. And again, big baseball weekend. The Punks swept the Padres. The The Cardinals swept the, um, the Yankees. You know, I've... When I was young, I kind of liked the Cardinals, and when I got in their division, I kind of started to hate them. But I certainly appreciate the fact that they um, that they won this weekend. Theoretically, it helps the Astros, although to and although as Raymond pointed out um, last hour with his Astro guest, uh, the home field advantage doesn't always work for the Saints. I mean, for the Astros because they never score a run at home. Like, I still can't figure out why, but they never score runs at home. It's so frustrating. So we'll see how 
that plays out. But no, you still gotta, I guess, strive for it. You're always striving to get to whatever that next level is for you or to catch the team that's on top of you. So that's kind of part of the fun and the Astros will continue to do that for the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 103.7 Lavia, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The Astros will be playing the Orioles Saturday, August the 27th. And you can be there as part of our Astro Getaway 4. Register at the game clubhouse. You could win four tickets. A tour Minute Maid Park Hotel Accommodations. For that Saturday evening, Astro Weekend Getaways, as always, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. Over the weekend, uh, around the NFL, we hear that Kareem Hunt, Remember, it wasn't that long ago you started hearing Kareem Hunt rumors having to do with the Saints before they ended up signing Malcolm Brown. Um, And he supposedly has requested a trade, and the Browns are saying no. So I don't know why that is public. You know, you just – you never know why information like that comes out. It's usually because one side or the other wants it to come out. Uh, so I hadn't really figured that one out yet, but it's just something to monitor. And speaking of potential trades, Jimmy Garoppolo is or supposedly they haven't gotten quote unquote any trade partners yet. So a lot of people think Seattle, but Seattle, they don't like each other that much. And Seattle's in their division, by the way. So, so as of right now, Gino, all every report is that Gino Smith as of now, was you know running was the number ones, and that theoretically, unless they make some sort of trade or someone gets hurt or something, would be uh, the number one quarterback this year for Seattle. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago. Geno Smith was a first round draft pick, and you know what? What are they gonna? I don't. I don't know what's gonna happen there. All signs point towards Seattle not having a great season this year. Let's put it that way, on paper. 
I mentioned the term, speaking of the NFC West, I mentioned the term medicine season earlier, and obviously the Braves are, um, you know, I didn't pick them to win the division this year as a defending champion, which most people do pick a team who won the defending championship to win the division because I believe in medicine seasons. And I don't know if the Braves are the All-American poster child, but they're a pretty good candidate for a medicine season. They kind of came out of nowhere last year and won their first title in a long time. So um, they weren't quite maybe the you know poster child for a medicine season like the Nationals were, but they were. But the Rams are enough. I mean, this Rams team. I mean, they got to – does anybody really believe that the Rams have what it takes leadership-wise to overcome an American season, a medicine season. I mean, I'm not saying they're not talented because they're very talented, but they got a head coach that's sitting there laughing at, in the offseason after they laughing at other people's draft choices. The opposite of Bill Belichick. I mean, it to overcome a medicine season, you have to be extremely mature. Is there anything mature about the Rams? Like they don't even want to be mature. They they're they're Hollywood. I, I just that would be the most. There, there's been a couple teams that have overcome medicine seasons. The Rams would be one of the most shocking teams because they don't even want to be mature. They got a punk as a head coach. And so, not saying he's not talented. I'm just saying that guy doesn't even isn't even thinking about taking the mature approach to 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 um, being a defending champion. When he wouldn't have even been anything had somebody be able to just catch a ball. I mean, it's just that simple. Such a fine line. But anyway, um, no, I, 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 you know, the Rams are not even, they are a serious medicine season team. And so, um, you know, and then, you know, we'll see what happens with the Yucks and everybody else. But I said all that because the NFC really is wide open. So I I I kind of hesitate to say a team like Seattle, even though all signs point towards them having a rough season, the opportunities in the NFC are absolutely there. You know, I, I think if you're a fan of the Giants, the opportunities are there. If you're a fan of the Eagles, the opportunities are there. The Cowboys, Saints, Vikings, Cardinals, all those what most people consider kind of middle-of-the-road type teams. The opportunity is there because the defending world champion comes out of the NFC. But folks, that that they are they they not they 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 have shown this entire offseason exactly why the medicine season exists because they they won't, won't know how to handle that success. I don't believe the Rams will know how to handle it. It's not it's not in their DNA. Not in their DNA at all. You got to be extremely mature to handle it, and there is no maturity on that team. There is none. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you about a month from now, Saturday, September 10th, the Orneville Volunteer Fire Department is hosting a black pot cook off. Cooking begins at 8 a.m. and the eating starts at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Orneville. 
There will be plenty of live music involved, including our old friend Gerald Grunig and Gentile Zydeco, Dustin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ornavillefire.org, the black pot or- cook-off for the Ornaville Fire Department, Saturday, September the 10th. Um, We were talking a little baseball early before we got to football, and one of the things I did not mention is the Mariners open a series with the Yankees tonight. That series didn't go so well in Yankee Stadium, so now we're going to see how it goes in Asia. The Yankees are going to Asia. They're going to get to learn uh, a little bit about having to travel a little bit before you play a game. Oh, yeah. They go, like, all the way across the world, it feels like. Yeah. But uh, I hope Paul's ready. I mean, he hasn't called since he last called on the the opening night of that series and said that, you know, I'm going to call back and, you know, make sure I have a paper ready for you so you can convert to be a Yankees fan mm-hmm. because we're going to sweep you. Now, the Yankees did much better last week against Logan Gilbert than I expected that they would do. We'll see how they do a week later facing Logan Gilbert again tonight in Seattle. So, especially since they're coming off a um, getting swept in St. Louis. So, very interesting. Is that three or four? I, I forgot to check. Uh, I believe it's three. I think the only one we had four with was the Angels in our, like, our next <clears throat> four series we have. Like, he's next time. Next ne- Mike Trout owns Seattle, so when Mike Trout doesn't play, you got to do better than sweep the. You got to do better than split with yeah. the Angels with the little MVP. So that was a little that, upsetting. Yeah, that, <laughs> that that was upsetting. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. As we said, Astros are off today. Uh, not the only team. It's kind of a shortened schedule. It seemed like a little bit fewer than half the teams are playing today. So it's a pretty popular day off for whatever reason. It worked out way out in the schedule. Monday and Thursdays are pretty traditional days off. Anyway, Astros will begin a three-game series with the Rangers tomorrow. And joy, joy, joy. Martin Perez is scheduled to pitch for the Rangers, and he absolutely owns the Astros. So. Just came off a two-game losing streak weekend, losing two. In my mind, I know they scored one run, but when you're down four to nothing in the last inning and you're facing an elite closer and you score a run, I mean, I don't even count that. So in my mind, the Astros just got shut out twice, and now they're facing a pitcher in Martin Perez that just absolutely owns the Astros. So maybe they can figure out a way to scratch scratch a few runs. Or Keedy's pitched very well. It's vi- Something's got to give there because Urquidy might lead the league in run support for starting pitcher. He's in the top three or four for sure, and he certainly leads the Astros. They have scored way more runs per start, but they're playing at home where the Astros never score any runs. And and they um and but and Urquidy's pitching, who they normally score a lot of runs for, and they're facing against 
Martin Perez, who owns the Astros. So, wow. what a, That's a fascinating matchup tomorrow night. We'll see what happens there. But off tonight, we'll see how that plays out. And, again, uh, the Yankees will be playing uh, in Asia tonight against the Mariners. So we'll see how that plays out. Should be a very interesting series because the – the Mariners are got their it's set up for their it's a three game series, I verified that and they are going to be playing their best three pitchers Logan Gilbert tonight, and then um, Castillo tomorrow, and then on Wednesday is Robbie Ray who has pitched well of late other than when he faces the Astros the Astros just own Robbie Ray, but other than that they do pretty well so going to be um, very interesting to see. How that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Well, I bet you weekend. are. I mean, big week, big weekend for the Cardinals, and you know, it's monkey see, monkey do. The Astros get, I mean, the Yankees get beat one nothing, and then the next day, the Astros getting beat one nothing. Isn't that the worst way to lose? Or do you not feel that way? I, 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 I well, hate losing one to nothing. Yeah, it's a nice way to win like we did Saturday when Montgomery, the guy we just got from the Yankees, and we beat him one to nothing. I tell you, Kevin, that's the most I've enjoyed a regular season uh, series in a long time. It, it, it really it felt like it, was, uh, like it was playoffs. It had that playoff kind of atmosphere to it. I mean, all the games they they were drawing, you know, drawing forty five. They had the biggest crowd they've ever had Saturday night. They drew almost fifty thousand. They almost packed in there. They had a lot of standing room only, and I mean, it, it was and all you know really made it uh, good too. Besides just the like that playoff atmosphere, all three of the games were exciting, close kind of games. We overcame a three run deficit in the first game. Second game was close the whole way, a one nothing pitching game. And then yesterday it was a high-scoring game that kind of went back and forth, and we won that one 12-9. So it, um, it it had a little bit of everything. You know, if you like scoring, they had one game like that. If you like pitching, they had one game like that. Come from behind in the first game. That That's the most I've enjoyed uh, – a regular season series in a while. And on Friday, on Yankees. on Friday, you did your damage against the guy who's been their best relief pitcher. I know. Yeah, he's shown a few little. You know, he's had a few little hiccups here in the month of uh, starting in July. He's not been as good because he had a couple bad games. So it looks like you you can hit the guy. Well, I, I just think their bullpen was probably pitching a little bit above. Because one of the main reasons why I didn't pick, because I normally pick the Yankees, but one of the main, because of, of their bullpen, one of the main reasons I didn't pick them this year is because I didn't think their bullpen was going to be as good. And it started out on fire. So through like going into June and into June, I was like, man, how, how could their bullpen be that good? And since then, the bullpen hasn't been that good. It's been more like I expected it to be going into the season, and it's kind of made them pretty normal. You know, I'm not a big smack talker, but I had to even I had to call Paul last night and give him a little bit of grief. Oh, come on! You can't be smack talking people. <laughs> well, you know how Paul is with me. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to start calling you Sean McVay. You be smack talking people. <laughs> 
And you know what? I always remind him every time when I talk to him. I always say that the Cardinals are the only team that's played the Yankees multiple times in the World Series and has a winning record against them. He beat them three out of five times in the World Series. So. Now, and the last one was what year? 1964. Oh, you see, that was um, – that's kind of a forgotten World Series for me. But, yeah, that's true. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I have to always kind of remind him a little bit of the history, you know. Tell him, I think, Paul, I've been a Cardinal fan longer than you've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's that young, but he's in his forties or something. But but, but right. But I mean, but, after watching him, I, I, if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm really worried about the bullpen. You know what? This weekend, it, it kind of reminded me and really hit home what you always say is we really don't know. We think we know, but we don't know, especially in baseball where there's so many games. We think. Everything is already lined up, and then, it, you know, it always seems things change, and then all of a sudden things that you thought were sure things don't look so sure anymore. I mean, the Astros can't pitch, and I, I don't know. I mean, can't hit, and and I don't know that the Yankees can pitch to get to the World Series, so we'll see. You know what I was – wouldn't it be funny? And I'm not hoping it because, actually, if the Cardinals don't do something, I'd kind of be pulling for them. But wouldn't it be funny with all the stuff they made about the Padres if the Padres didn't even make the playoffs? Well, the Brewers are going to have to get their act together. I don't know well, where yeah, the, Brewers the Brewers are right now. Yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying, you know, it's like in that the way you was mentioning that the Phillies now aren't that far behind the Braves. No, the Phillies are only three back. I mean, somebody's not going to make the playoffs. That's well, pretty good. Either the Brewers, the Phillies, the Cardinals, you that you could even say the Braves could possibly not make the playoffs. It's possible. Still, still, still a long way to go. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate the call. Enjoy that series sweep. That was that was. Uh, I'm sure that was fun. So enjoy it. Take care. But I've been around long enough, Kevin, not to get uh, too cocky. Oh, yeah, you can't get too cocky. That's what I'm saying. You can't. You can't be having those kind of Sean McVay phone calls. You can't do that stuff. All right. All right. All right. Take care. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. Terrible morning, Foot. Nightmare nightmare morning, week, all of that stuff. I thought Hannah would have been on vacation. It's her turn to go on vacation a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought, I really thought. Do you know what I take you? If she had work? But <laughs> <laughs> I see you and her and... Boy, y'all, y'all Yankee haters really enjoying us, kicking us while we down. Boy, I see y'all enjoying this. Y'all got a lot of jokes. Well, it's just, Ooh. it's just, you know. Again, I get so tired of hearing all oh, the Yankees and, you know, the Yankees and the punks and I. I mean, it's just like uh, respect the game. I mean, I just and there's so many examples. Uh, you don't have to go back that far. Like you just have to go back to like last year. No one was talking about the Braves at this point. And, and they I want it all. That. So, I mean, it's just silly, all this. Oh, we already know what's going to happen, why they even play the games. I I just hate all that elitist talk. Braves started off terrible last year. All of a sudden, they took fire, and next thing you know, they won the World Series. So I call them the paper champs. It was given to them. Hey, look, I ain't going to lie, but I have no no answers about my doggone Yankees. Hey, I'm ready to push that red panic button. If we definitely lose against them ugly socks, I'm pushing that button. That means we're in trouble, but... 
I tell myself, maybe we have a scheme. Maybe we want y'all to have home field advantage because y'all really don't do too good with home field advantage. Well, that's playoffs. true. Uh, the Astros to lost to the they lost to the um, to the Nationals at home. They lost to the Braves at home. They 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 don't. They've lost a lot of home playoff games. I'm, so I'm thinking that's our strategy. You know, it's strategy, all them all trash for. cans they were banging on at home that you know they, they it, it, it's it's done it's 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 helped them so much in all those games. Oh, it sure did. It sure yeah. did. It yeah, helped, it helped win the World him. Helped him so win three gonna, to two um, and two like to y'all one. Didn't win the World Series that year. For, come on now, you got to. We got to. It, it, it really helped him win two to one and three to two. It really helped him. But you sure know how to try to clean and and cover that up that cheating, but. Uh, but I really call, I already want to talk baseball. I ain't going to lie for it because I, I, I'm stressed. I'm going to go to a brighter side. We'll okay. We'll come to these things. With this Kareem Hub and Josh Jacobs, he's the running back we should get. But I would prefer we go get Kareem Hunt. He's not injury prone. We know what he can do. We saw what he can do since he came in as a rookie. Well, I've they're not trading Josh gotta... Jacobs. And now, uh, Hunt, the Browns say they're not trading that's the Browns, the clown. You know what I mean? But they, I can understand why not, because you don't have Watson. They know they co-cores that offensive line. Yeah, their the run running game. game is their that's strength. I, if I was them, I wouldn't want to trade them. I agree. And and look who's going to be their quarterback. You know, Watson's not going to be there most likely. So they know they're going to need him, so I understand why. But if we can get him out of Josh Jacobs, you get him because if you remember – when he was with the Chiefs, the man was elite. He was elite. I said when he got in that trouble, we should get him. Because I knew he was going to get out of that trouble. We'd have got him for a cheap deal like the um, Browns did. With, could you picture him and Camaro? We would have the best duel running back in well, the league. Well, I'd love to have him. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I don't. And, but but just saying, either one we need to go get. We need to lock up um, Gardner. We got to lock him up. That, I, I like what that guy brings to the defense. He brings kind of what Baltimore had with that attitude and aggressiveness when they had Ray Lewis. I think that's what he definitely brings to our um, defense, and that's what you need a guy like that on defense. So I hope I hope we can do those things. But um, so that's all I got right there, foot. But I put it this way: that intro you got about you being the what it was about the encyclopedia, the ticking encyclopedia. I think you were ticking time bomb. <laughs> All it takes is one guy don't catch the ball or something, and you go explode. I leave you with that foot. Have fun in Asia. Have have fun in Asia. Yeah, later. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. No, I, I, you know, want Chauncey Gardner Johnson again. It was brought up at the end of last week, I think, on Friday's show, and and I said, look, I'm just, I can't emotionally right now deal with any bad news. So I don't want to focus on this. Um, it's not like he's got a full-fledged holdout or anything. He's still out there here and there. But it, it's uh, – I understand it's an issue. Um, of course you want to deal with it. Now, the one thing that is a little troubling in the matchup with the Yucks, the only time the Yucks have done anything offensively on the Saints in the last few years, it's been when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was trying to defend Chris Godwin and he got burned big time. And so I, I still, I don't, 
you know, he's not like he's this elite cover guy, especially against the Yucks. He's gotten burned several times against the Yucks. But other than that, I mean, they haven't done a whole lot. So hopefully he gets better in that area in that particular matchup because that's going to happen, what, week three or so of the season. They, they play him pretty early. So um, that needs to get better. But overall, I agree with Paul. Like, he brings a an attitude, an aggressiveness, and he's just kind of that, um, you know, one of the, you know, part of that hybrid defense that they play so often. And it's a it's it it's pretty effective, and and he just brings a toughness that you want to have on defense, and so hopefully they can figure that out. The Saints have done a good job of signing the key guys, and hopefully they can continue to do that. You also hope that he likes it enough here, um, to where he kind of knows that he's in a good situation. The, the scary thing, though, a guy like Demario Davis, who's been elsewhere and who came here, he understands how good of a situation because he's been in bad situations. He 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 he's experienced the other side of it. Um, the Saints, by all accounts, have a a great locker room, and with you know good leadership and all, a stable organization, all that stuff. But a guy, you know, the Saints drafted him, so. He doesn't necessarily know unless he's talked to, I'm sure he's talked to teammates who are maybe in bad situations, that kind of thing, or talked to friends in the league. And But uh, it's not like experiencing it. And so hopefully he realizes he's in a good situation and that helps. You know, maybe he wants to be here. Hopefully he does. And, yeah, it, I think it, I agree. It's critical. They need, they need to get something done long-term with him. We'll see how um, that plays out. Speaking of ex-Florida Gators, um, was listening over the weekend. There's some people who are starting to really get high on Kadarius Tony as a fantasy kind of a guy who didn't do a whole lot last year in fantasy, but could have a real breakout season. And uh, I don't know, maybe sometimes next week, pretty soon in the next week or so, we'll try to reach out to the guru and start our start our fantasy football talk. I'm sure the guru's already done like 65 drafts already and he's probably done a million mock-ups. So he's uh I know he's been he's been ready for that since like May. Um and so we'll we'll, we'll try to reconnect with the guru and start talking some fantasy football pretty soon here. But um Kadarius Tony is one of the hot names in the fantasy football world. The problem is, do you really believe that the Giants' offense under Dayball is going to be good enough to take advantage of his skills? We'll see. That's that's the part of that's part of the fun of the speculation going into a season and a fantasy football season. All right, that'll do it for this segment. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid. Stupid. 
Not to worry. We have EMT standing by just in case foot passes out. Back to more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you, today is the last day if you would like to participate, volunteer with the Shark Frenzy Fundraiser. Southside High School football and bands are holding their third annual Shark Frenzy. This Saturday from 6 to 10. And so the uh, money raised at the event will be used to fund all kind of stuff for the band and the football team. Travel expenses, equipments, helmets, shoulder pads, all that, all kind of stuff. Attendees will include, uh, will enjoy dinner and drinks and music and all kind of games and, and silent auctions. So to purchase tickets for Southside's third annual Shark Frenzy, simply visit shsharkfrenzy.weebly.com. That's a tough one. shsharkfrenzy, F-R-E-N-Z-Y, dot weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y, dot com. All right, I made the mistake of hitting on a headline of a story that I didn't need to be reading, but I did. And this could be the single most important thing having to do with the football season and specifically with the Saints or whatever team that that we read all year long, I mean all summer long. This could be critical to determining, you know, who's going to the Super Bowl, who's not going to the Super Bowl, uh, who's going to win this many games, whose defense is going to be really good. My gut feeling is that this is a really, 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 really bad thing for the Saints. But it could be good depending on how they adapt to it. If you noticed, again, I, I this is this is this is scary. If you noticed last season watching NFL games about four or five years ago it got to where every time there was any contact they were throwing flags and it got to the point of ridiculous I thought and if you notice last year I thought they reached a happy medium where they stopped a they they stopped calling so many of the little ticky tack illegal contact penalties well, according to the story that I, that I read this morning, or just now actually, um, they want to go back to being ridiculous. I mean, that's the NFL. The NFL has never been about justice. The NFL has never been about, it's been the argument I've had for decades about the NFL and it's officiating I'm talking about. The NFL, I'm not talking about the individual officials. It's not the individual officials' fault. That's why a lot of people say you hate officials. No, I hate the rules. 
The NFL rules have been messed up for a long, long, long time. It wasn't the NFL officials that cost the Saints the championship in 28, the NFC championship. It was the NFL and its ability to support cheating, to support not getting it right, to support a lack of justice. They are for a lack of – it's not the NFL officials' fault. It's the NFL's fault. The NFL should have had a system that would have fixed it. And so now, according to this, the NFL is now asking its on-field officials to pay particular attention to illegal contact. The request could lead to an increase in such flags following a big drop in the 2021 season. And I thought it was done better last year that we had finally gotten away from so much of that ticky-tack junk where the officials decide the outcome of a game. So all they just did here, what that does is it increases the officials' impact on the game because they have this stupid, automatic first down they have got to get rid of automatic first downs on ticky-tack junk all it does is increase the chance of cheating in every nfl football game that's all this does it's awful idea now look i i you know how sometimes they have these points of emphasis and they last for like three or four weeks and then it kind of fades away but i don't i don't that's usually on new stuff. This is the, this is not a new concept. They've played this before. In other words, they're trying to legislate offense into the league again. They didn't like. They thought there wasn't enough points scored last year. They want to make it where you know the quarterbacks can look better. They've been legislating offense in this league since since the late 70s. They started in like 77 or 78. Legislating offense into the league, messing with the game. And again, it's not that there's a bunch of officials, oh, now I'm going to cheat. They don't, they don't know they're going to cheat, but they're going to cheat because they have, they've been given the power to, to give the advantage of one team over the other by this emphasis of this rule. This is not good. This is the biggest thing that I've heard that's going to impact the NFL season so far. And this could this is huge. This will determine football games. Go back to um was it 2 years ago? I think it was 2 years ago. The 2019 season when the when the the Saints got cheated more in that year than they've ever been cheated. Go back and watch that Falcon game. Every time there was a third down play and there was an incomplete pass, they call one of those cheesy automatic first down plays on third and 15, and you get an automatic that totally changes the game. Totally changes the game. And most of the calls that were in that particular game, it was an awful home loss to the Falcons. The officials dominated the game, or the rule book dominated that game. And that same game played last year, the Saints win by double figures because they wouldn't have got all those cheesy little calls. Totally changes the game. It totally puts way too much 
in the hands of a ticky-tacky foul that in the majority of NFL history would not have been called is now going to extend drive after drive after drive. That is awful. Now, my first reaction is that it's really bad for the Saints because the Saints have really good aggressive cornerbacks, like really good aggressive cornerbacks. Maybe the best core of cornerback in in the NFL and certainly the best core of cornerbacks in the history of the franchise. Not even close. That's not even arguable. Um, but... Their their aggressiveness and their skills level can will be greatly could be greatly diminished by the officials and in the enforcement of this rule. Now, on the flip side, the Saints are better at wide receiver this year than they've been in a while, and the fact that they were mediocre on at wide receiver last year. And you had a year where they were letting them play more than they had let them play in quite a while. That probably made the Saints' offense even worse than it was, than it would have been. Because you, you, they allowed a little more touching and pushing and shoving and manhandling of the receivers, and the Saints didn't have good receivers. So now, on the offensive side, it actually might help the Saints – on paper, could be a little more uh, able to take advantage of the NFL setting teams up to be cheated with this stupid illegal touch. It's third and 72. Oh, he touched that guy. First down. That is the worst thing in sports. That is the worst thing in sports. Third and 45, well, four yards up the field. Oh, he touched him. First down. Nothing is worse than that. Nothing in sports is more of an injustice, more cheating than that junk. And that's what the NFL just did. That is awful. Awful. Now, again, it's theoretically possible because we've seen it before. Where they come up with these rules, these new emphases, and um, and, and they want the they want the league to do this stuff, and 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 after about a month, they kind of do it, and they do it a lot in the preseason, and then they and then it kind of fades away. But again, normally that's on new off the wall stuff. This is, oh, it's off the wall, but it's been we've we've been here before. We've been here before. And so I, I'm really, I, this is awful. Just an awful day in the history of the NFL to read a story like this. And I, I, I think, I'm hoping, I think offensively it could, it'll, it'll certainly help the Saints more than in recent years. I think it will help the Saints more than, than, than but then, it, you know, it would have helped them a lot. They're, they're, offensively, they're going to be more advanced. They're going to be more able or more equipped to take advantage of the potential cheating that the NFL is going to allow here. Um, But defensively, I think it could really hurt the Saints because I think they were really set up 
really set up to flourish in an NFL where they didn't have all these ticky-tack calls, like last season. I thought last year was good. I mean, we were still so conditioned. The problem is we're so conditioned now, even if you get a completion or an incompletion, if you're on, if the team you're pulling for is on defense, you get an incompletion, you're, you can't even celebrate because you're so conditioned to wait for the flag. Well, now that's gonna, that flag's going to be coming at a much higher rate on all this silly little ticky-tack junk. And, again, I've argued for years and years that there needs to be someone who, who tells these officials, it's halftime, guys. Uh, this team's got six of them. The other team's got one. All 50-50 calls, all calls that would not have been made in all years that the NFL was played. And now this team's got six, this team's got one. They need to know that stuff. That th- and when you don't do that, you're cheating. And again, doesn't mean there's a conspiracy. It means that one team is getting cheated, is what it means. It means that there's not a fair, it's not fair play. It's not fair play. Both teams do not have an equal chance of winning because one team has gotten six easy first downs that they did not earn and were given to them by the officials, and the other team only got one first down where they were, it was given to them by the officials that they did not earn. Uh, this is awful. I mean, awful. Awful. Hopefully, somehow, again, the Saints are due. Saints are due this season for some breaks. That's the, At least that's the way I look at it. I hope this doesn't mess it up. And look, if the if the Saints end up cheating some teams, I'm sorry, but suffer, Pope. I mean, I, I've been on the downside of this for too long lately. The Saints are due, and so I, look, if the Saints cheat some teams this year, I ain't feeling sorry for them. That ain't happening. Uh, but I, I, you know, hopefully, you know what we talked about a couple of weeks ago about how Sean Payton is no longer, Casper the Quitter is no longer. The head coach of the Saints, this might be another reason to think it could be a good thing this year. Hopefully the Saints are no longer the Raiders of the NFL in the eyes of the NFL. And hopefully this cheating rule, which is all it is, it just allows for cheating, more cheating, more lack of justice, more teams getting the raw end of the di- the, the short end of the stick. It allows for that. It perpetuates that. It, it, it increases the likelihood that that's going to happen. And uh, hopefully somehow the Saints come out on the plus side of this. This is an awful, awful day, awful story. I don't know that I could have read a worse story having to do with the NFL than that story. So it's something to monitor. Again, I don't care if they do it in preseason. Call 42 flags in the preseason if you want. All I care about is the regular season. And how many times are they going to decide football games on these cheesy touch fouls? that most years in the NFL did not exist. <sighs> Trouble. Blood pressure up. Astros need to get some hits because this is going to – I'm going to have nightmares about this over the next month before we start the season, and then hopefully they end once the regular season starts. But who knows? This is an awful, awful bit of news. Awful. We'll take a timeout. 
We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're on for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. We've talked quite a bit of Major League Baseball after a huge Major League Baseball weekend. All kind of sweeps and uh, statements being made by certain teams in Major League Baseball. We talked um, some football. And most recently, I unfortunately read a story that was of great, great distress and concern to me and we talked about it the whole last segment and I want to just give you some numbers to illustrate what could potentially happen in this, in this awful situation and if you didn't you weren't here in the last segment there was a story on ESPN.com this morning that the NFL this year in camps are emphasizing to uh, officials that they want you to th- they want them to throw more of these ticky tack five yard automatic first down penalties on it for illegal contact. The last two times you say, "Oh, well, you worried about nothing? Why are you worried about that?" Well, this is why I'm worried about it. In two, they did this in 2004. In 2003, there were 79 illegal contact penalties. That's probably not called. That's probably accepted, but but roughly 79 illegal contact flags. The, they emphasized it to the officials in 04. It, that number rose to 191. That totally changes the game. Totally changes the game. It went from 79 to 191 totally changes the game and they did it again 10 years later going into the 2014 season which probably had a lot to do with why the Saints went downhill because if you remember in 2000 they had a lot of bad eggs on their team and they had to clean out don't get me wrong that was the biggest reason but if you remember the Saints got this cat Browner And he came over here and was a complete clown show. But part of it was the rule change. In 2013, they called it 52 times. Going into the 2014 season, just like they're saying now, they're going to do it going into the 2022 season. In in 2013, there were 52 of them called. These illegal contact, ticky-tack illegal contact calls. Um that lead to automatic first downs and bail out the offense. The year I, they went from 52 to 148. So one of them increased by 112 two times ago. Then it got increased by 96. That is a humongous difference. Totally changes the game the way it's played. That is ridiculous that you're going to change the game that much. Um, over the last... Since 2002, the NFL has averaged 97 of these ticky-tack automatic first down illegal contact penalties. 
The problem is that that average number almost doesn't mean anything because it's such a contrast. In the years that they these these two previous examples in 04, it was there were 191 of them called. That is awful. So you say, oh, are you worried about saying even that? You know, it's no. This is very very troubling that they picked this year to be doing this emphasis. They did it in 04 and 14, and now they're doing it in 22. And in both of those years, they increased by 112 penalties and by 96, roughly 100, a little over 100 average in those two years. So now apparently we're going to, if history repeats itself, you're talking about roughly 100 more of these penalties. And how many of them are going to be by by Saints defensive backs is my question. And how many of them are the the we already know that Saints opponents don't uh, opposing offensive lines don't hold. I mean, they're they're going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Saints opposing the you know offensive lines they don't ever hold on the Saints. We'll see how many illegal contact files the Saints get this year. And look, I hope that I hope the Saints go to the Super Bowl. And at the end of the year, we're saying you remember that early August where you were pitching a fit about this, it turned out that it helped the Saints. I hope the Saints cheat teams all year long, all the way to the Super Bowl. Because that's all this is, is cheating. It's giving an unfair advantage to the team that doesn't execute the best more often than the team that they're playing. It happens every year they do this junk. Because you don't even have to execute. All you got to do is get a flag. You don't have to execute. Ball can hit the ground all day long. Third down, incomplete, ah, cheesy, 50-50, uh, barely touch you, five-yard automatic first down that isn't called in the 85% of NFL seasons. That's a bunch of junk is what that is. So if you look at the last two times they did this, it had a huge impact on how the game was played. Huge some teams benefited, some teams didn't. The Saints certainly weren't in position to benefit from an 04. And it, you know, the set the 14 was was the year after the forgotten season. The Saints were very aggressive in 13 in the forgotten season. And got more aggressive by going out and getting Browner, who ended up leading the league in flags the next year with the rule change. So, I mean, this is scary, really scary. Could greatly diminish how good the Saints are in secondary and could greatly diminish how good the Saints are on defense because of all these cheesy little automatic first down penalties that the opposing offense does not earn given to them by the officials. Very troubling. Again, I'm just saying the numbers are what they are. It greatly changed the game in those two seasons. The last two times they did this emphasis. Bad, bad, bad. Hopefully somehow the Saints benefit, but we'll see how it plays out. Just troubling. I don't like the I don't like this. I don't like this direction. Hopefully that the, the officials this year won't go overboard like they did in 04 and 14. But it's scary. I'm just telling you, this is scary. Scary. We'll take a timeout. Be back. Finish out. 
today's show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home of the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you again, Astro Weekend Getaway for Saturday, August the 27th. The game, if you haven't joined the game clubhouse, do so. And if you do, you will be eligible to win four tickets to that game, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. No, six runs is not. uh, Six runs perfect. Six runs doesn't do anything for that. But it's really, we focus on runs because that's what wins the games. But really, it's how many hits you get. That That's the thing. Because, I mean, you can walk over the weekend. DeRay's got like 12 walks in one of those games. If you can get them, walks are great. I love walks. I prefer walks to base hits. Now, I prefer extra base hits to walks. But uh, because they, they don't mess. The Piper doesn't have, the Piper doesn't care about walks. And so, um getting a bunch of walks and then getting one big hit, get two or three walks and an error, and then you get a big three-run double or a big three-run homer, then then you can score a lot of runs without a lot of hits. That's the perfect scenario. But, again, it's going to be fascinating tomorrow. The Astros, the last two days, they haven't, they've scored one run in two games, got two hits yesterday, and, then, and so they're kind of due – the Piper's really happy with the Astros right now. And they're kind of due to get some hits. The problem is they're facing Martiz Perez, who owns the Astros. They never do anything on Martin Perez. So um, it, that what a fascinating scenario for that game tomorrow night. Astros, Rangers. Again, Astros are off tonight. And um, they will return to action tomorrow, opening up a two- what a six-game homestand, uh, three with the Rangers and three with the A's, who all of a sudden they just cannot beat the Oakland A's. So hopefully they can learn how to beat the Oakland A's, the worst team in the American League as of now. Um, and hopefully they can find something, some kind of way to solve Martin Perez, who just owns them. So it's going to be a, a really interesting uh, game tomorrow. Again, um, and the Yankees are are going to Asia, so we'll, we'll we'll I won't stay up to the end of that game. It's hard enough for me to stay up for the end of Astro games. Not going to happen for the Yankees Mariners, but we'll get up in the morning and see what happens and talk about that and other stuff that goes on in Major League Baseball and the world of football tomorrow. Appreciate the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> 